God, we give you thanks that we can celebrate, God. Every day that we have is a gift from you, God. And today is the day that you have made and you have called us to rejoice and be glad in it. And on this day, we celebrate Rosalie's birth, God. We just celebrate her life and her ministry. Lord, we celebrate with Pastor Angel and his wife, Kaysler, doing with our youth group and all the leaders that are involved, God. We celebrate the young people that are here this morning, God, just encouraging us and blessing us, God. We celebrate the families of our church, God. We celebrate the people that you have placed in our lives, God, that encourage us, that lift us up, that even challenge us, God. And we give you thanks for everything, God, because it's good to begin with an attitude of thanksgiving, God. And so I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus Christ, for your presence and your power in this room. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to help us to understand in new and deeper ways what this story of David and Goliath is about for all of us this morning. We lift all these things up in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The story of David and Goliath. One of the more famous ones, isn't it? I think everybody's heard of David and Goliath, at least the names, because we use it all the time in our culture, don't we? We talk about stories of the David and Goliath story. What that means is it's the underdog, right, that beats the, uh, the, the, the champion, right? And everybody loves the underdog, right? Everybody loves the little guy beating up and winning, you know, except for Yankees fans because they win all the time. But everybody else loves the underdog story. They love when the little guy gets his chance to win, right? And that's so much a part of many of the stories that we have, and especially in our country, we really latch on to those kind of stories. And we say, well, it's like a David and Goliath kind of story. And, and David always represents that, that good-hearted, that underdog, that person you don't expect. And Goliath represents that big kind of challenge or obstacle that stands in our way this morning. And I just want to dive into this story and have us kind of re-walk through it. And I think much of it is familiar to us, but there are little details here and there that we often just kind of fly over. And so what I like to do in these stories is kind of what I call stop the car for a minute, get out and just take a look at something that we might easily just drive past in the text and see what God is saying to us this morning. So first of all, this is a war story. This is a battle. This is a battle between the Israelites, the people of God, of Yahweh. Yahweh was the holy name of their God. And a battle between the Philistines, who were really their arch enemies. And the Philistines were probably a group of people. Um, and the name could mean a particular group or could mean a, a number of groups in that area that were around Israel at the time. But in the Bible, in the American Bible, the Philistines kind of become the enemy, so to speak, the arch rival uh, during the times of Samson and Saul. And, and it's interesting that, that the word for Philistines in the Greek is very similar to the word for Palestine. So many people think there's a connection. And of course, we know that there's still a lot of conflict between Israel and Palestine, isn't there? It's amazing when people say, how can the Bible be relevant thousands of years later? Well, some of these things just continue to go on in the world because there's a lot about humanity that even though we change, it remains the same, right? Because wars that are fought are usually fought for the same reasons, whether they were fought like this 3,000 years ago or whether they're being fought right now in the world. What are wars fought for? They're fought over land, right? Rights to land, where is the border? And they're fought for money, and they're fought for provision and power sometimes over someone else, or to protect and defend what is yours, right? I mean, we kind of fight wars for the same reason, because it's a battle going on between two different countries, right? Between, but one of the things that was a little different back in this day than it is today is that the battles also represented the battle of the God of that particular people. So that if you beat someone in battle, then you were proving that your God 
was better than the other God. So really, as an army, you were representing the God and your God's reputation was really on the line in the battle. So you have to see that this is really a conflict between whose God is bigger, whose God is better, whose God is more powerful. And of course, a lot of times throughout the narrative of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, God reveals that it's about Him being the one true living God. Because if you're a God that gets beat by another God, you're not really much of a God, are you? I mean, really, the one God should be the one that is always victorious, the one that is powerful, the one that is really alive. And of course, one of the gods that the Philistines worshipped was Dagon. And God had many battles where he wanted to prove himself as greater than their God. So as they're lining up, getting ready to do this battle, they decide to send out a um, champion, Goliath. And so Goliath is going to represent the Philistines, but if they're representing their God, they want to send out, right, the biggest and the best. They want to send out someone that's going to represent in their minds who their God is and how important and powerful their God is. So Goliath comes out onto the field as the battle lines are drawn, and the battle occurred in the Valley of Elah, okay, in the valley. And, and I just discovered this. I mean, I'll admit, even when you're a pastor for many, many years, sometimes you miss little things, right? And, and what, I, what I just discovered was that there's a reason why some of these battles happen in the valley. Because in 2 Kings, it says in the word of God that the people, the enemies of Israel, said their God is only a God of the hills. So we'll fight Israel in the valley and we'll win. But God himself says, and I'm going to be honest, I just thought it was a nice scripture song. But the Bible says he's the God of the hills and the valley. The God of the hills and valleys, right? <laughs> so they were in the valley because likely there was this thing going around that the God of Israel, Yahweh, he's only the God of the hills, so let's find him in the valley. The God says, no, no, I'm going to show God the God of the hills and the valleys, and you're going to see what happens in the valley. So the Philistines, you know, in, in, in a way that's, that's a little unique, they send out a champion, Goliath, and he's going to challenge someone from Israel to come out, and they're going to do battle together. So Goliath comes out, and he's huge. I mean, he's abnormally large. Some people estimate that he's nine feet, nine inches tall. I mean, that's a big boy, right? That's somebody you would recruit for your basketball team in a heartbreak. He comes out, and he's covered in bronze armor from head to toe. And the armor itself weighs 125 pounds. And he's got a javelin on his back. Now, normally a javelin is when you ride a horse, but when you're nine foot nine, I guess you don't need a horse. Dude can just charge himself with a javelin. He's got a javelin on his back. He's got a spear in his hand. He's got a sword in his side. And even the tip of his spear weighs 15 pounds. So he comes out ready for war. He's a veteran of war. He's menacing. He's representing his God. And he stands in the valley because he thinks that's going to give him an advantage against the God of the Israelites. And he says, are you going to send someone out to challenge me? Send your best out. Are you not the army of King Saul? Send somebody out and we'll do battle. And if you win, then we'll become your servants and your subjects and serve you. But if I win, then you will become our slaves and you'll serve us. And that's how we'll decide this battle. Every morning, both troops line up on either side of the valley and prepare for war. But Goliath comes out every morning for 40 mornings and he issues his challenge and nobody steps forward. Nobody goes out to meet Goliath. Now think about this for a minute. 
who would you pick? Who would you pick? Because that person is not just representing your country. That person is representing your God. And if someone that looks like Goliath is representing this other God, well, then who are you going to send out? You should send out your best, right? The person that should have gone out, some of you know who it is, King Saul. Because the Bible says that he was a head taller than anyone in Israel. And you just know this from simple, right, playing on the play. You put your biggest person against the biggest person, right? I mean, that's just what you do. You know, if, if you were back in the day playing women's basketball and you were going to go up against Rebecca Lobo, right? You're not going to send out Shorty from the bench, right? You're going to send out your tallest person to go and to do that. So I played a little bit of basketball. Unfortunately, I stopped growing in eighth grade. But in eighth grade, you know, I was kind of one of the tallest on my team. And we had this game, and I was as tall as I am now. And this other team had this eighth grade, and it was like 6'2". And I'm like, that's a big eighth grade. But no one, I was the biggest. I had out the garden. And it didn't, didn't go very well. <laughs> At one point, he jumped up, and his foot, like, hit me in the chest. And I knocked over, and I'm like, coach, I could not drive this guy. So then what do you do? What do you do? You send out more people, right? You send out more people. Or if you're afraid, you freeze. And I'm wondering what was going through Israel. Because King Saul should have been the one to go out. But either he was afraid or he didn't want to do it. And why would they wait? I mean, it makes you wonder what was going through their minds as they were listening to this call every day, this taunting by the champion of the Philistines. So then enter into the story, little David, the shepherd boy. David is the youngest of eight brothers. He's not gone to war because he's taking care of his father's sheep. Sometimes when you're the youngest, you get the duties that no one else wants to do. And he's taking care of his father's sheep, and his three older brothers had gone to war. Eliab, Abinadab, and Shema. And they were there at the battle. And Jesse, David's father, comes to him and says, I'd like you to go, take some food to your brothers, see how they're doing, bring me back some report of what's going on. So David does. He goes and he finds the camp and he finds the keeper of the supplies and he gives supplies for his brothers and for some of the other troops. Then he goes and finds his brothers and it's in the morning and they're beginning to do their lineup and he begins talking with them and sharing about his father and the family. You know, they're just kind of shooting the breeze and talking. And at that moment, Goliath comes out to get his daily call for someone to come out and fight him. And David hears this. And something begins to disturb me. He said, who is this? Who, who is this coming out and challenging, defying the armies of the living God? Do you notice the difference already? Goliath called them the armies of Saul, but David recognized these are the armies of the living God. He said, what's going on here? Why is nobody going out to challenge him? And he begins to hear the scuttlebutt. People start talking, right? And we see the fear. We hear the fear in them when they're like, there's that Goliath again. Oh, man, he's big, isn't he? Yeah. You think anybody's going to go out? I don't know. King Saul, he's the tallest. He should go out. Yeah, he's hanging back in his tent doing who knows what. I mean, they're complaining like people always do, right? You know, you know the guys that just sit around. But that's just what they're doing. They're like, oh, they're if anybody does go out, oh, man, that dude would be awesome. Yeah. If that dude could go out and be Goliath, man, he would get a bunch of money from the king. Oh, I bet the king would even give him his, one of his daughters as his wife. He could marry a princess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bet he won't even have to pay taxes. I think that's a funny way to put that one. <laughs> but that's what it says. You know, he's going to get great wealth. He's going to have a wife. He won't have to pay taxes. Even not paying taxes wasn't enough to motivate him to get out there and to fight Goliath, right? And David starts asking questions. And he says, what's going to be done? 
what's happening? And he gets very inquisitive about the situation. At which point his older brother becomes a little frustrated. Amen. I'm an older brother. I confess, you get frustrated with the younger brother sometimes. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen sometimes? Sometimes you're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, listen, you little squirt. Why are you here? Why did you come here? You're just, I see how wicked you are. What happened to those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? You come in here talking war. You're out there with the sheep. What do you think you're doing? And he just starts laying into him the way the brothers do. And of course, little brothers, the youngest, Sometimes they don't back down. Can I get an amen from the younger brothers, right? And he says, what are you talking about? Can I even speak right now? Can I not speak? And so he begins to go around and talk some more. And he talks so much that word gets back to King Saul that, hey, there's this young whippersnapper. And he's kind of talking and stirring up some things. And he, you know, Saul's like, all right, bring this boy to me. I want to, I want to see what's going on here in the camp. And it's interesting that when David is brought before King Saul, King Saul doesn't speak first. David speaks right up. Do you notice a pattern? David, from the moment he arrived, speaks up, speaks up, speaks up. And he says, listen, King, don't worry about this. I will handle this Philistine for you. I will take care of this person that is defying the armies of the living God. And I just want to know what was going through Saul's mind. I mean, if you can imagine, they've already been there. They're scared. Nobody wants to go out. Saul doesn't want to go out. And here comes this kid, this teenager, into his tent and says, don't worry, man. I got it. I got you. I got you. We'll do this. And I I just imagine Saul, all the things going through his mind, like, really? (laughs) Like, who are you? Is something wrong with you? Are you really going to be able to do that? I mean, I, I don't even know if Saul maybe laughed or if he was just shocked in the silence. But what he tells David is, look, you cannot do this. You are a young, barely, barely older than a boy. Goliath has been fighting since he was your age. Goliath is a, is a skilled war veteran. There's no way that you're going to be able to go out and fight against him. Basically saying you have no physical appearance to think that you can beat him. You have no training. You have no mil- you have no weapons. You have no armor. What makes you think that you could fight this warrior on behalf of me and our nation? And David says, "Listen, let me tell you about my experience." He said, "I've been a shepherd for as long as I can remember, and sometimes when I'm tending my sheep, there'd be a lion that would come and grab one of the sheep and take off with it, and sometimes there'd be a bear that would come." And grab one of my sheep and take off with it. And here's what I do. Rather than just letting that sheep go, I would run after it. And when I caught up to the lion or the bear, I would grab it by the hair and I'd kill it. And I'd rescue my sheep. And I'd bring it back. And he said, listen, this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine, there's a put down for you. <laughs> if you don't like somebody, call them an uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> this uncircumcised Philistine will be like the lion, will be like the bear that the Lord delivered into my hands because the Lord will give me strength to do this. And we don't get what happens in the middle, but something happens where Saul says, go and may the Lord be with you. And so what Saul does is he says, here, I'll give you some armor. I'll give you some weapons. And David puts on the armor of Saul and he takes the weapons. And he's like, these are, these are heavy. These don't fit. I'm uncomfortable in these. I'm not trained with these weapons to go out. So instead of taking what you say, I need to gain my victory. I will go with what I have and what I know. 
and what God had already given me. So he took his shepherd's staff, and he took his shepherd's bag, and inside his bag he had a slingshot. And as he walks out to the battlefield, he stops by the river, and he picks up five smooth stones, and he puts them into his bag. And he steps out into the field in front of the armies of Israel. This little boy with no armor, just a stick in the back, walks out into the field. And, and Goliath looks at him, and, and Goliath is just as shocked as King Saul, if not more so. And Goliath is not only shocked, but he's offended. He says, what am I, a dog, that you come at me with sticks? Like, how dare you insult me by sending me this nothing to come and fight me? And you see Goliath begins to get angry at being provoked. And he says, come here, little boy. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the I'll show you what it's like. And then David, David gets roused up <laughs> with a strength that could only come from the Lord. And if you can put up his speech right here, I think his speech is one of the most rousing speeches ever given. On par with anything that any general or leader of people has ever said. And it's right here. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. And the Lord Almighty means the God of the angel armies. So he said, I'm coming at you with the God of the angel armies and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. And this day I will feed not only your flesh, but the flesh of all the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild animals. And then the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Isn't that a great speech? Woo! This is not for participation. Can somebody read it for me in Spanish? Because I'm here in Spanish. Can I get a volunteer? Can I get a volunteer to read it in Spanish? Give us that round. Come on, come on, anybody? Anybody? Case is gonna do it? Alright, so Case is gonna stand up. Let's give up to Case, right? Alright. Oh, she, she's gonna step up. She's stepping up. Alright, here we go. I'll send you from there. Here we go. Alright, here we go. So Case is gonna give it to us in Spanish. Let's listen again to the speech that David gives. Alright, come on. Now, yeah, 
us the confidence of them. And, and I love how David even trash talks it one up, right? Because Goliath trash talks him and says, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds and the animals. He said, well, I'm going to cut off your head and feed your flesh and all y'all to the birds and the animals. Because you're going to see what my God can do. And of course, right after that speech, you know what happens, right? It's on. It's go time. And Goliath starts booming towards David. And David starts running towards Goliath. And as David's running, he's got the slingshot in one hand. He reaches in his bag. He pulls out a stone. He sticks it in the slingshot. He starts to whip it around his head. And he lets it fly at just the right moment. And that stone flies straight towards Goliath and hits him in one of the only places there was an armor covering him in his forehead. And hits his forehead so hard, it doesn't just give him a concussion and knock him out. It sinks deep into his forehead. And Goliath falls face down to the ground. And then just like David said he would do, he runs up, grabs the sword of Goliath, cuts off Goliath's head, holds it up, and marches it back to King Saul. At which point, the Philistines go, oh, and they turn around and run. <laughs> and then the Israelites, then they, they chase after them, they rout them, and David again comes back victorious and brings the head of Goliath to King Saul and said, here you go, our God is the true living God. Exactly. Instead of a mic drop, it was a head drop. Boom. <laughs> there you go. That is it. <laughs> and you can tell how this story is inspiring on so many levels, right? Because we think about the battles that we face. And even though today our battles are we think about challenges. We think about people that come against us. We call them giants in our life, don't we? We call them and say, how many, how many of you knew? Come on, I need somebody here who's saved to talk back to me after a little bit this morning. How many of you knew when you saw David and Goliath and you started talking about giants in your life, right? Right, you've heard that sermon, right? You want to rant, come on, giants in your life. The challenges that we face. I mean, of course there is all of that. We need to understand that we are still in a battle today. The battle is different, but there's still a battle going on. And we can gain inspiration and we can gain courage and confidence from this story in a certain way. So let me begin just by sharing about how the battle has changed and what's been done on our behalf. You see, what we understand from this story is that in David, there is a lot of parallels to Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one from David's line that was to come and to be the one to lead and to rule over the people of God. And Jesus came as our champion, did he not? Did he not also step out on our behalf, one man against Satan, against sin, against sinners, against death, and not defeated on our behalf through the power that God gave him? And said, listen, the enemies I'm facing, Jesus said, are not as glad that you can be with a sword or a slingshot or a stone. But they're the ones that can only be defeated by my death and my resurrection. Amen. And Jesus said, I have now come to show you that with weapons of love and with weapons of sacrifice and even weapons of nonviolence, we can defeat enemies that are even better than the enemies that we used to face. For you see, the, the, it's different. Back then and even today, we get caught up in wars between nations. And Jesus said, listen, it's no longer about the lines that you draw on a map. It's not about the borders that you create of yourself on this earth to divide and categorize people up. But I am coming to bring the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God means that it's going to be for the whole world. 
And everybody from every nation, from every tribe, from every language is going to be invited into a new nation, into a new people group, into a new citizenship. You now belong to the kingdom of God. And the only enemy to the kingdom of God is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of sin and death. And that's the only real enemy that you have. And I have come and I have stepped out in front of you. To do what you could not do on your own. And I have challenged and looked Satan in the eye. And I have defeated him. Amen. And of course, Jesus is called the good shepherd. Even as David was a young shepherd boy and talked about killing the lion and the bear. Go to some contact. He said, well, one of my sheep was taken off. I ran after them. And I rescued them. And did Jesus not say I am a good shepherd. And if one sheep is lost, I will go after that sheep. I will pursue until I find them and rescue them and bring them back. Amen. And then we need to give thanks to Jesus Christ for that. We need to understand that Jesus Christ is our champion. Amen. That Jesus Christ is our champion. And you know what? He was your champion then. He's still your champion now. He's still the one now that gives you strength. He's still the one now that will fight your battles for you, that will go before you, that will give you the strength to do what you otherwise could not do. And that brings me to what I want to focus on now as I get ready to bring us into this time of prayer and connecting with God is this, that we need to have confidence in God. We need to have faith and strength that comes from God and from nowhere else. And this story teaches us that. Because notice that David did not get his confidence from his family. And if you're waiting on your approval or confidence from your family, you might be waiting a long time. He did not get it from the other people around him. He did not get it from the armies of Israel. He did not get it from King Saul. He did not get it, his confidence, from the normal military training that all the rest of them had. So it wasn't even his experience or the right kind of experience that gave him confidence. But let me just pause there for a minute because he did have some experience, didn't he? And even though it was different than what everyone else thought, he had confidence in what God had already brought him through to help him face the next time. And he recognized that it was God's strength that allowed him to do that. And so his confidence was really in God in that experience. So yes, he had confidence in what he had been through, but his confidence was in God. And his confidence did not come from the weapons and the armor of Saul. And sometimes we put our confidence, right, in our training, our education, what people say we need. But sometimes God is saying, you need what I will give you. You don't need anything else but what I've already given you and said. In fact, it reminds me of what God said to Moses, well, what's in your hand? What do you already have? And it happened to be a shepherd's sack as well. He said, what do you have? And David said, I will go with what I have. I will go with what I know. And the message for us today is that some of you are facing battles in your life, and you already have what you need to face that battle. You already have what you need to gain the victory because God has given it to you. No one else has given it to you. No college or institution, no training, not even a family member. No one has given you what you need, but God has already put in your hands what you need to get the victory. To get the victory. It's already there. And you need to have confidence in that. And confidence in God. And hear me carefully. Confidence in yourself. 
And I need to break that down for a minute. I need to break that down. Confidence in yourself. What am I talking about? Well, first of all, if you have confidence in yourself, apart from God, that leads to pride. And you become like Goliath. Trusting in your own strength, your own efforts, without God in it. But you can't have confidence in yourself when it comes to confidence in God. Because you recognize that God is going to do it through you. And here's where I'm trying to break it down to another level for you. Because I think here's a danger we have as Christians. We can say, I have confidence in God. God's going to defend me. God's going to do it. And then we sit on the couch and wait for Him to do it. That's not confidence in God. That's laziness. That's fear. That's not really engaging. That's hiding behind what sounds right. Well, I have confidence in God. God's going to do it for me. But then we don't get up and do anything. Every single one of those other soldiers had confidence in God. King Saul knew who God was, but none of them was willing to step out into the battlefield in the strength that God was going to give them. You don't think if Saul had stepped out that God would have strengthened him? If he had had that kind of faith, God would have Hallelujah. You don't think one of David's brothers couldn't have stepped out of that moment and God would have filled them with the same strength? Amen. But you see, you need to have confidence in yourself that comes from God. To say, you know what, I can do this. And I can't do it alone, but I can do it with God. Some of you, can I say, quit waiting for God to do what he's equipped you to do. And then don't sit back and wait for it. Because he wants to work through you. He's given you what you need already. And yes, it will be his strength. Don't take credit for it. Don't become prideful. Don't think it's all on you. Don't become so arrogant and full of yourself that you think, oh, I'm so great and I'm all that and I'm going to do it. But constantly remember that God has given you the experience. God has given you the strength. God has given you what you need to accomplish everything that he wants you to do. You know, what else was David doing as a shepherd boy? I'm going to step outside this story for just a minute because we know some other things about David. And this is important. And I promise you this is where you're this one. This is important. Okay, what else was he doing as a shepherd? He was writing some of the most beautiful and powerful songs and poetry that you've ever heard. They're found in the book of Psalms. While he was also in the Lord's strength fighting the lion and fighting the bear and rescuing his sheep and taking care of his sheep, he was also cultivating an intimacy with the presence of God that is almost unparalleled in the history of humankind to the point where God says, David is a man after my own heart. He is connected with the heart of God. He knows what the presence of God feels like. He knows what the power of God feels like. And it was his worship that prepared him for his war. Amen. It was his time with God that prepared him for his time in the battle. And sometimes we rush ahead into that and we say, all right, God's got me and I got this. And we rush in. But God says, wait a minute. Do you know my presence? Have you spent time in worship and prayer? Have you spent time with me cultivating that relationship? That's why it's powerful to spend time in worship and in prayer and soaking in the presence of God. Because when you're soaked in the presence of God, oh my Lord, nothing can stand against you and God together. Amen? Because you know that He is with you in the hills and the valleys. You know that He is 
with you in the quiet place and in the noisy place. You know that he is with you in the victories and he is with you in the defeats. And you know that he is with you every single step of your way. And when people come with you and when people abandon you, God is with you. Because you know that you know that you know that God will never leave you. That God will never forsake you. And no matter what happens, God will be there with you, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He gave his entire life. So that if you say yes to him, he will give you the presence and the power of the God Almighty of the angel armies and the God of the whole world, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe has said, if you will invite me into your life, I will give you that power and presence that will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. Ever leave you. I want to hand out for a reflection time a piece of paper to everyone this morning. So I'd like you to think about your life this morning and how God is preparing you for the battles you're facing. So in just a minute, everyone's going to get a piece of paper and everyone's going to get a pen, all right? And what I want you to do is we're going to think about two things, first of all. What are the lions and bears that you've already faced? What are the things that God has already done in your life when you look back and say, you know what? God gave you the strength to overcome. And I just want you to, because I believe God wants to speak to us about how we can use these things to give us courage for the future. And then the second thing, of course, is going to be what's in your hand? What's in your bag? What's in your wallet? What has God given you? What has God already given you, right? What are the skills, the gifts, the relationships that you have that are a source of strength in your life? And I believe that they've been given to every single person, okay? So when you get your piece of paper, in one corner, would you do this with me? Because this would be fun. I mean, you know, we should recapture some of our childlike faith, amen? Draw a little picture of a lion or a bear. Go ahead. I promise you no one's going to look at it, and my picture will look worse than yours. I promise you that. But just draw a picture of a lion or a bear in one corner, and just write down the things that God has helped you through already. The things God has helped you overcome in your life. So just draw a little lion or a bear in the corner, and then just list underneath it the things that God has brought you through, the way that he has given you strength for the obstacles or challenges that you have had to face in your past. Okay. We're just going to let the music be into play. We're just going to ask God to give us speaking to us in this moment. And sometimes we write things down that we've got spirit moves in our heart to do it. So again, draw a picture of a lion or a bear. And right underneath it, the things that God has brought you the things that God has done in your life, the challenges or obstacles that you will overcome. Just the, the places where you knew, you look back and say, God was there. God helped you. Just write that down. Because even writing it down in your prayers is the way to be when he's brought you already. Because I believe we may not yet be aware of how God wants to that experience to help us for what lies ahead. Amen? So draw a little picture of a lion or a bear right underneath the challenges or obstacles you've had to face in your life. What are the challenges or things you've already done? You've already done.
said to him on another part of the figure, just draw a little bag with five stones in it. Just draw a little bag with five stones. And what are the things that God has given you that are gifts or skills or relationships, assets in your life, things that God has given you that you know are, are, are your talents, your gifts? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something about you that you know God has given you as something that you can use in your life. And I think everybody has something. If it's hard to think of it, just pray to God. Just say, God, what have you given? Do you have creativity? Do you have dedication? Do you have a skill or talent? that maybe not have to realize how you can use that. Is there a relationship that God has put in your life that you know is a source of strength? And maybe that relationship with that person be the thing that helps you face the next obstacle, the next challenge. So draw back with five stones and try to get at least five good things in your life that God has given you. Gifts, talents, skills, spiritual gifts, relationships, things that God is putting in your back to face the challenges that you're going to face, to face the enemies that you have to face.
whatever challenges in your life. Holy Spirit, will you create an atmosphere now where your presence is so powerful and so 